Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot and making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, I made a bold take a while back. I said a coach was going to get fired. I was just a couple weeks early, but Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, the GM, the Raiders clean house. We will dive into that. This is three and out with John Middlecoff, by the way. That's me. Hello. And uh, a lot of other football talk. The Packers, some other stuff going around the NFL. But obviously the big news of the day is, depending on where you lived, I was actually scrolling Twitter.com at about 10.30 at night. They say you're not supposed to do that, actually. Not good for your eyes. Keeps you awake. And I, I literally, the, the tweet popped up. Like, it was breaking news. And uh, I saw it was crazy. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. My jaw didn't open a little bit. I was, I was shocked. Not because I didn't think he was a fireable coach, but just usually don't get someone fired Tuesday night at, you know, past 10 o'clock. But it's the Raiders. 
So we, we will discuss them. Uh, Mark Davis, my experience with the franchise. Mark Davis and kind of where they'll go from here. And uh, the Middlecoff mailbag as well. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your questions answered here on the show. And make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. The 3 and Out feed with me, John Middlecoff. If you could, leave a review if you like the show. Because we have a lot of content. Obviously, Colin, we went Sunday night, came out Monday. Uh, I went Monday night reacting to the Monday night game. That show came out Tuesday. Uh, The trade deadline on Tuesday did a podcast. That came out today, Wednesday, as I'm recording this. And today, we are going to talk Raiders. Uh, So, because they just fired a coach. Didn't see that one coming. Kind of did, but not necessarily right now. So, I I will give all of my opinions, thoughts, and uh, overall takes on the franchise from that move. Let me just tell you about my friends at Game Time, the official ticketing app of this podcast. If you want to go to a game, football, basketball, college, or pro, a concert, you a Swifty, you want to go see, I don't know, the Foo Fighters, uh, Drake, you name it, they have you covered. Just download the Game Time app. And when you do, sign up for a pair of tickets, anything. They got interactive ticketing maps. You can see where you're sitting based on the price point. It's fantastic. Cannot recommend it enough. Just download it on your iPad or your iPhone. And when you buy your first pair of tickets, type in the promo code JOHN. J-O-H-N, promo code JOHN, and get $20 off your first pair of tickets. Game time app, promo code JOHN, $20 off. Thank me. I don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Let's start with Doritos. When I got out of the NFL and I got into the business of talking, I was associated with a radio station in downtown San Francisco. And there were two. There was KNBR, which was the behemoth at the time. I think they're kind of struggling now. But they had the Niners and the Giants and the Warriors, the cash cows. And then the station I was with had the A's, who were a terrible radio property, and the Raiders. And I I ended up getting a radio show right behind Greg Papa, who is now the voice of the Niners, but for multiple decades was the voice of the Raiders. I ended up doing the post-game show for the Raiders for several years. I ended up hosting shows at training camp in Napa. And listen, I'm born and raised in Northern California. Like the overwhelming majority of people, I grew up a massive, massive 49er fan. Right, it, I, I didn't grow up on Joe Montana. My my dad did. I mean, he was old by then too. But the Montana, I grew up on Steve Young, Jerry Rice, to Jeff Garcia. Nowadays, while I still root for them, and I guess I would consider myself a 49er fan, my relationship with football is much more based. Like I think about the show and what I'm going to talk about and how to be interesting, just on football in general, more than I do care about the teams like I once did. Still passionate about the Niners. Uh, just because I know so many people, you know, season ticket holders. But to me, I'm a football fan, and that's kind of what I've grown into. Like, I I root heavily for the Eagles uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs because of the relationships I had. I didn't know much about the Raiders, right? They they, Most of my friends growing up were not Raider fans. They struggled, I think, brand-wise in Oakland in that area because the Niners kind of sucked up all the oxygen. But when I got to work around them, if you love football— it was really cool. You know, the, the alumni base, it felt collegiate. You know, from uh, Jim Plunkett to Tom Flores 
to Willie Brown to a lot of players in the 70s and 80s to Howie Long, guys that come around. And if you're a fan of sports, you feel the history. And I, I never, people think I talk a lot of shit about the Raiders, but I really appreciated that element of it all. And I got very, very close with Greg Papa, who, beside the Davis family, I don't think I'd ever met anyone who cared more about the Raiders. And it, it's, it's a powerful thing. And listen, anyone listening that's a Raider fan, just like if you're a Giants fan or you're a Cowboy fan, it's a big part of your life. Now, unlike a lot of the franchises, that team has sucked for so long. And one problem they had, and you could feel it when you were around them, anyone that knows, like if, if, you, if you're my age, like late 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, and you're constantly talking about college or high school or something you did in your 20s, your life's probably not going that well. And I'm not saying you can never look in the past and think about memories when you get with old friends, but if that is a consistent theme of your life or when you spend time around someone else and they're constantly talking about you know, what used to go well, things are probably not going great currently in the present day. And that was always a big theme with the Raiders. They love talking about like the 70s with John Madden and Kenny the Snake Stabler. Now listen, I love those stories. Right, Kenny Stabler's famous line was, he could study the playbook by the light of the jukebox. That team in the 70s, some of the stories that I got to hear was like the mob meets the NFL meets like a biker gang. It was incredible. But it was like, this is 2015. The team is a three-win team. What are we doing here? And I think they've always struggled with that. They're a family-run operation. And Mark Davis, I think to understand the Raiders, you have to understand Mark Davis and the stories I used to hear, him and Al Davis, I don't think, had the best relationship. Like, Al wouldn't allow him to fly home with the team back in the day. So Mark Davis, you know, this is not like a 40-year-old guy. This is a guy in his 60s, been through a lot. Uh, I, I think it's as, as just, I don't even, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but it's had a rough go of things at times. I, I think he's has said publicly, I mean, he's never had a job. This is the only job he's ever had that he just inherited a team I don't know how old he was when Al passed away, like 58 years old. And the team was terrible. And the team continues to be terrible. I will give Mark Davis credit on this for just firing Josh McDaniels. I do believe he has balls. And I haven't been around that many owners. Uh, you know, I've spent some time around Jeffrey Lurie. Not like that much personally, but I just saw him, you know, on a semi-regular basis. Talked to Jed in passing a couple times, but I, I definitely don't have a relationship. I don't know other owners. I have talked to Mark Davis probably more than any other owner when I was doing those shows. And I always thought Mark, you know, I think if you just see him on the internet, everyone making fun of him, he's a very easy guy to talk to. Like, it's very easy to have a conversation with him. And I think sometimes the word on people, you know, in sports or just in general, billionaires can be difficult to communicate with. They're just living a completely different world. They live in a world where literally everything is free. Think about that. That's, that's how I heard a billionaire described one time. And it's, it's incredible, right? What's it like being a billionaire? Well, everything's free, right? You got to spend money, but I have unlimited money. So it's basically free. And Mark Davis and the Raiders have always felt like that's not really the case. Now, and I've been saying this for a while, because you have way more money as a franchise, you can afford to spend $50 million to tell someone to go away. Mark Davis is going to get another check from the league office or it comes throughout the season for $400 million. And then next year, that number is going to go up, right? And obviously he's a part, I don't exactly know his revenue share agreement with this stadium, but he's making money on the stadium. 
So he's got more money coming to him than the Raiders have ever seen because they were never like Paul Allen or Steve Ballmer or some of these other owners that have all these other ventures. Al Davis started as a football coach. The way I had always heard that he got the Raiders in the first place, he didn't have any money. The mob in New York helped funded him. And he was kind of a just crazy dude and ended up buying and buying and buying and became the majority owner. But it was, he didn't have money. This was like the 60s, right? This is a guy who's a football coach, had a whistle around his neck. It's what made him a unique owner. He could also coach and obviously later became the GM and the personnel director for a long time. And uh, I always appreciated hearing Al Davis stories because from Andy Reid to Bill Walsh to Belichick, these fucking guys idolized Al Davis. And the Al Davis that I saw in my latter years, like in junior high and high school through early in college before he passed, was not the Al Davis that these guys in their 60s and 70s right now working up in the NFL saw when they were kids in the 70s and 80s, and this guy was a leading maverick in the league. And Al Davis would have done this. What the Raiders had become with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler was a complete embarrassment. And I have seen some embarrassing teams. And Mark Davis, I saw one team, Mark Davis, fired Dennis Allen after four games. And then Tony Soprano, the uh, RIP, buried a football, and the team went on to win three games, and it led to Khalil Mack and Derek Carr. I guess they were already on the team, but that team was atrocious as well. I think it led to Amari Cooper. But my point is that this team just needs to be blown up. Now, there's several different conversations. I've been saying forever the league would love to get a super, super rich guy to run this team and get rid of Mark Davis. And his team, I think, would easily, easily get 8 to $9 billion. Vegas, no state income tax, incredible stadium, incredible practice facility. It would be an easy team to sell, given the amount of people that could afford it. They, they would be lined up. I don't believe anytime soon that he's going to be willing to put this team on the open market. So unless he's forced out, I think this guy's going to own the team till he dies. And I will give him credit for this. I do think it takes balls when you find yourself in a situation to just blow these guys out. And I think a lot of times in football, in relationships, in any business, it's not like they were technically losing money. He could have just rode this thing out the season. Once you don't like her anymore, you're like, well, I'll just, I'll just play this out for a little longer, right? I don't really want to go back on the open market. I enjoy sleeping with her. And you just delay the inevitable. And he said, you know what? Fuck it. Rip the Band-Aid off. Get the hell out of my building. Josh McDaniels, I think, is objectively one of the worst coaches in NFL history. I want to read you a stat. In Den- Well, one, he's the first coach in the Super Bowl era. So this goes back to 1970. To not to coach for two different teams and not make it through the second season twice. Fired in Denver in year, whatever, you one and a half, same thing here with the Raiders. I'll give you a specific number. In Denver, he lasted 694 days. With the Indianapolis Colts, he lasted a little over eight hours. Obviously, he didn't accept the job. With the Raiders, he lasted a shorter period of time than he left in Denver with 639 days. Now, I think in Denver, he was just a Bill Belichick clone. Everyone couldn't stand the guy and he was such an asshole, you had to get him out of the building. To me, in, in Vegas, I don't know if it was that ugly and you know the vitriol from the players. I'm not saying it was positive, but I think it was clearly, this guy's over his head, he has no clue what he's doing. And let's face it, 
There is no arguing. It's not even disputable at this point. The Belichick coaching tree is a fucking embarrassment. Like a complete joke. Like this this is the crew. Guys that can't, and, and let's face it, he's their best coaching candidate of all the guys coming out of New England. Now, I would say Patricia, Joe Judge, even Flores. I was thinking about it at the gym today. Flores technically had a better career than those guys, but Flores, when his owner was offering him a hundred grand a loss, would not lose to get Joe Burrow. Think about that now, several years removed. This guy would have changed your life, Brian. We all could see it about halfway through LSU, and you're that big of a moron to not realize it, and he ended up beating Cincinnati that year. And listen, how great Tua is, we can argue Tua will blue in the face. Brian Flores hated Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Couldn't stand the guy. So Brian Flores, who, good defensive mind, can't deal with offensive players or the big picture understanding to save his life. Now, he's not as bad as Patricia. Joe Judge, to me, is a laughingstock. And Josh McDaniels is one of the biggest failures we'll ever see. Objectively. Can't even be denied. And for about 10 years, Josh was having Dan Pompey and The Athletic and Bleacher Report write all these articles that he was looking in the mirror. It turns out, when you make that guy the head coach, he can't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. When he's your head coach, your team will get progressively worse. Your players will hate him. Part of being a coach, and one thing I've heard from people around Josh, one, that building with Ziegler from the coach's standpoint and the players and people around it, heard it was toxic. Heard people despised walking into work in the morning. And listen, people weren't always happy when they were winning championships walking into New England. But at least you knew everyone's on edge a little bit. That's how Bill liked it. You were going to win. Probably a lot like with Parcells. Hell, Bill Walsh used to scream at the coaches not the players. But you know what? You knew if you sucked it up, kept your shoulders back, head up, looked everyone in the eye, you were going to make playoff runs every single year and end up with rings. The other thing that's pretty clear is Tom Brady, like Belichick, we can argue till we're blue in the face. I think if you gave him a decent quarterback, he'd win a lot of games. He clearly knows defense. He's not good at drafting. His ego's so big, he makes so much money, he'll never give up the GM spot. But if you give him a good quarterback, even, obviously Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, but if you just gave him a solid guy, he's going to be fine. Belichick knows what he's doing. Belichick can lead a room. Belichick can scheme a game plan. Josh McDaniels as the head guy cannot. Matt Patricia as the head guy cannot. Brian Flores cannot understand offense, how to deal with those guys. Compl- and if that's the case in 2023, he can't be my head coach. Quarterback way too important. That's the lifeblood of our sport right now. That quarterback position. So if you can't figure that out or see that, maybe you can with time. Who knows? He got a good lesson this, you know, the last couple weeks seeing Cousins go down and what Cousins has meant to that team. But this Josh McDaniels and the Belichick tree, man, it really couldn't have gone any worse. Now, if you're Mark Davis, here's the reality. You're in Vegas. Anyone, I would imagine many people listening to this have been to Las Vegas. Special place. (laughs) I love it. I have a lot of... uh, A lot of love for the Vegas Strip. I really enjoy it. When I was scouting, I used to stay. It was kind of my my hub. I used to spend a lot of time there, and not even I I wasn't even allowed to really gamble at the time. I would just I liked it. I can go into a casino and just eat. I like walking around. I like the noises. I like the lights. I like how cold it is. I like everything about casinos. I've been liking casinos since I was about. They legally allowed me to enter Cash Creek Indian Bingo and Casino back when me and my friends in high school used to sneak in and play blackjack 
when I was like 15, 16 years old. Love a good casino. It's a bright light stars place. And it goes back well before I was born. Guy my dad used to work for was in the casino business back when guys like Ali and Elvis, this is in like the 70s, the end of their careers. And it has continued till now, till Celine Dion's bright light stars. And now sports are coming there. You better win. Because if you don't win, not only will no one give a shit, that arena is just going to be complete outsiders. And that's what Vegas, the Raiders have become, right? Because they're so shitty that when they play the Chiefs, when they play the Broncos, when they play the Bears, the Steelers, it's a home game. That's all it's going to become is a home game. And I think if you're Mark Davis, you got to swing big. And here he's proven this before. Listen, was John Gruden nowhere near the hype? 100%. Didn't even sniff what we thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to be awesome. And he was terrible. I mean, he was well over his head. But I do appreciate that you can't dispute that many other franchises in the NFL and in college were lining up for years trying to hire John. And Mark Davis had to pay a tax, basically, and his tax was that 10-year contract. But he took a big swing. And I admire anyone. That's why I'm so hard on Dean Spanos. It's like, Dean, you didn't build this shit. You have nothing to do with SoFi Stadium. You had nothing to do with the purchase of this franchise. Your grandpa and father are the ones that made all your money in your family. Now your family has more money than they ever dreamed of having, and they were already rich, and you're so afraid to ever use it. You love getting these cheap coaches, and then you complain when you always lose. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. This is the same thing over and over. Well, look in the mirror, bro. Cut a bigger check. Take a big swing. And there's no guarantee just because you hire a big-name coach it's going to work, but he never does. And if I'm Mark Davis, i got to go big-name big game hunting. And obviously Jim Harbaugh, who has connections, who got his start with the Raiders, makes a lot of sense. I think it's pretty clear with this cheating scandal, he's not going to be there long. I think it's fair to say it would be shocking if Jim Harbaugh is Michigan's coach next season. If this cheating scandal had never existed and Harbaugh had signed some massive contract that Michigan was about to put in front of him, maybe $15 million a year, I would say, yeah, it's probably not even an option. But the moment a picture goes viral, and I've known Jim McElwain since Fresno State, of that dude in the Marines, thank you for your service, standing on the sideline right behind the coach of Central Michigan as they're playing Sparty, Jim McElwain worked for Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> like, I mean, you could deny it all you want. It, it, listen, I don't pretend to be a detective here. Not hard to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Jim Harbaugh, his Marine, they were honestly nothing but respect for how deep they went into this cheating scandal. I just saw someone say that, listen, no problem with stealing signs, but when you do it to the level they're doing it, you basically know everything's coming. And when you have better players, it's not a fair fight. And Michigan has been kicking the shit out of everybody since this Marine kind of got on the sideline. I defended him. I said, I think a lot of people are doing some form of this. Nobody, I don't think, was going to the level of getting former employees to give you a hat and a t-shirt wearing their logo as you're playing their rival. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. And I know McElwain denied it. And listen, I'm not pointing fingers here, but I don't think it's that hard to put two and two together on this one. So to me, Jim Harbaugh, uh, I don't think they're like I don't think they can hire a coordinator. I don't think you can just do Josh McDaniels, part deux, Dennis Allen, part deux. Like I, Ben Johnson, for as awesome as he's been in the Lions, I don't think you can do that. Like when the 49ers hired Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay was hired, it obviously has worked out. 
But I don't think you can risk that. You need something that you know. And I heard Colin say, Harbaugh's a, Harbaugh's 100% locked to work. He's worked every single place. San Diego, Stanford, the 49ers, Michigan. He's four for four. Like, there are no failures, right? And to me, if you hire Harbaugh, like, he's going to work. Now, win Super Bowls, who knows? Just get to the playoffs back-to-back years. Mark Davis would be doing cartwheels down the strip. I would think another name, and I heard someone on the internet say this, this is way risky because he's starting to get his ass kicked. I, I do think from a bright lights, and there's a Gruden aspect, and there's a salesman aspect. I think Deion Sanders, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, that would be incredible. That would feel very Vegas. It, it really would. Now, we'll see where they end up picking. Maybe they could pick a son. But uh, Deion Sanders, Vegas, that feels a little far-fetched at this point in time. Again, every time you look up on Saturday as they've been to Pac-12, they're getting worked. I mean, UCLA just destroyed them. They still have a lot of tough games coming up on their schedule. They're not going to win, but I'd be all for that. And then I think the other one is if Belichick becomes available, and listen, I know, well, the Belichick tree, he is the tree. Like, Belichick, I do not... Belichick knows what he's doing. Like, these guys clearly don't. Uh, I think you would entertain that if you're Mark Davis. I also think you could sell that. Even if it was just for four years, he's given out these massive contracts. That's the other thing Mark Davis has done. He's, you can say he's a bad businessman, but I think he has to pay somewhat of a tax to get people to come to his franchise. He had to give Gruden 10 years, $100 million, because that was the only way to get John Gruden to come to the Raiders. Otherwise, he was going to go to Tampa Bay. Right, The only way to get Josh McDaniels, who kept turning people down and was making a ton of money for Belichick, was to give him and his general manager six years. It's why, like, listen, I've been fired before. I was making 50 grand. My contract ended. Like, what was I going to do? I didn't have any money. The only thing I'd ever worked in in football. Like, I, I, I was like, I was 28 years old. Like, it was tough. I mean, it was, it was very scary time. I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for Josh McDaniels at all. He's got another 30, 40 million coming to him. He's already a multimillionaire. Same scene with Ziegler. You get fired and you have four plus years on your contract at seven figures a year. I mean, Ziegler's probably making a couple. Josh is making 10 plus. Like, give me a fucking break. I, I don't lose a second of sleep. Even Mick Lombardi, I, I would imagine, was making a million dollars, has a three year contract. Like, you're not screwed in life. You got a lot of options. Even if you got to take a year off, you got cash coming your way. Now, this is going to have big ripple effects. Guys at the bottom of the totem pole are going to get fired. The guy making 80 grand or 90 grand or 100 grand that doesn't have a multi-year contract and might not know that many people in football. That that sucks. I feel for those people. But I never have any sympathy for the guys at the top of the food chain who deserve to get fired and get fired with a lot of money coming to them. Like that's that's called the fucking American dream. You're going to get paid a million dollars to go play golf. Like whenever I see that these people are humans too. Well, yeah, I, maybe they're kids, but I Josh like, Josh, go, go to the fucking gym, get to the elliptical, mix in a salad, and get your shit together. Because what, what we just witnessed, what you forced on us again, was, I mean, what I had to witness on my couch, and everyone listening to this on Monday night, was a waste of my three and a half hours. It really was. And obviously, the players turned on you, and reports were that players were going to dinner with Mark Davis over the last week. It's pretty clear what they told him. Get this guy the hell out of here. And to Mark Davis's credit, he did. To the Packers. I guess Gudikins talked to the media today, or, or at least to uh, one of the ESPN.com reporters. And listen, it, what I appreciate about people in football is when you can just be candid. And I think there's a line, right? You don't have to just come out and say, you know, this guy sucks. 
or you know, our defensive coordinator just blows. Even if that's what you think, there's a balance you have to have in a team environment, right? I, I can say whatever I want. The only people I have to answer to in terms of what I say is me. Like it just reflects me. There's no one like this isn't a team of seven people right behind me that are also on the air, right? If I threw maybe the producer under the bus, that'd be a scumbag. Hey, this guy fucked up a graphic, but I would never do that and it never happens, right? But in football, everything's such a team-oriented operation and everyone is accountable in terms they get their opportunity to talk, they're under the microscope. Uh, You got to be very careful what you say, especially when it comes to a quarterback. And I, I think when you look at the Packers, their quarterback situation is already settled. Jordan Love's not going to be their quarterback next year. And Gudikin said that, and here's why, I, really quick though, before I say go into what he said, I give them credit for not picking up his fifth-year option. Because I think we see this time and time again where teams pick up an option and then immediately regret it. And when it comes to a quarterback or a wide receiver or a defensive end, it can be very, very expensive. And when you pick up these expensive options and then you turn on the player during that fourth year, you're screwed because you can't get out of it. Ideally, you would like to trade it, but if the guy can't play, no one is taking that salary. So they gave him a very, very you know, cost-effective on their salary cap extension for like $11 million, which obviously if they could do it over again, they wouldn't even have given him an extension. But you have to have a contingency plan if he is good because you don't truly know until a guy plays games, and it's the bright lights. Well, they've seen him now. And his last several games have been a disaster. I think he has eight interceptions. But if you just watch him, he's just not very good. And listen, football's hard. A lot of quarterbacks, the overwhelming majority of quarterbacks relative to the top you know, 10, 15 guys are not that good. And it's very, very difficult to win with. And that's Jordan Love. And like Gudikin said, he's got 10 games. A lot is on the line over the rest of the season. What he's essentially saying is like, unless a miracle happens, he's not going to be our quarterback anymore. Now, I think, you know, in some organizations, you would get blamed because there was an owner for screwing up the Aaron Rodgers situation, for not figuring it out, for ultimately trading him. But when this team has no owner, like these guys are going to get another quarterback. But this was one season that's going to be on their resume. Ultimately, Rodgers ended up wanting out. They just, they pivoted. And they didn't screw themselves financially. But whoever their next quarterback is, and I would imagine if they keep losing, they are going to be in the mix to draft a guy really high. That guy better be good, and he better be good fast. Or these people will lose their job. Because the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alabama football, Texas football, USC football, there are certain franchises that just do not tolerate losing. And Green Bay has been lucky enough with Favre and Rodgers, they've just always won. They've just been winning consistently for three decades. It's one thing if you lose a game, but Rodgers threw three touchdowns. You're like, oh, defense could be a little better. When your quarterback play is this shitty, it feels like your whole franchise is going nowhere. So the pressure on this Gudikins and LaFleur this offseason to figure out the quarterback situation, for everything that went wrong with Josh, his interpersonal skills, his ability to relate, Raider Nation not liking him, maybe the alumni turning on him, if Jimmy Garoppolo had just been good, if Jimmy Garoppolo was just playing like the 13th best quarterback and throwing some touchdowns and they were 4-4, four and four, he wouldn't be fired, right? What ultimately did him under was Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't just bad, he was beyond atrocious. He couldn't have gotten, he couldn't be any worse. He's missed games and he leads the league in interceptions. 
And his interceptions is one thing. Well, a couple were tipped. You know, one he slipped. It's like hitting guys in the hands. Interceptions that aren't even close. When you consistently miss on the quarterback position, you got problems. So the Packers, you're going to get one more bite at the apple, and, and you better make a count. A couple other things looking around the league. Uh, Matt Stafford hurt. This is why I shorted the Rams when the season started. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know what the injury was going to be. I just bet on him getting injured. And now he's got a thumb injury. It's looking like he's not going to play this week. Uh, I think the Rams are in free fall. I said it this during the trade deadline. I would have traded Aaron Donald. I would have reset my franchise. You're losing games with him. And every game he plays, his value diminishes a little. Plus, there's always the risk that he get injured again. So Stafford, I, I don't. we never really got the information on Stetson Bennett, who they drafted, what, in the fourth round and then just disappeared. Bizarre situation, but Matt Stafford's hurt. The Rams, boo, they're screwed. Deshaun Watson's still injured. Kind of like the Stetson Bennett situation. A little different. It's just, it's just weird. That's all to say. It's just weird. And when you pay a guy this much money and he can't play and your team's good, it's pretty devastating, man. It really is. Now, I know when he's played, he hasn't been anywhere near what they traded for or the guy they thought they were getting trading for. But when you, if you got to play P.J. Walker, you're just going to lose more games than you win. I, I don't care if your defense becomes the 85 Bears defense. Speaking of the Bears, it, it just never ends. It just never freaking ends. Yesterday, they traded a second-round pick for a pass rusher that they're going to eventually have to pay $25 million when they could have just paid him $25, $26 million and kept the second-round pick. Still baffled by that 24 hours later. Today, they fired their running back coach. And I was expecting, you know, we just we need a, we need a spark on offense. We wish, I think his last name's Coach Walker, his family, the best moving forward. We appreciate everything he did. That was not the statement. The statement was basically there was a standard that we hold ourselves to, and he didn't meet the standard. So something happened again. And they had a defensive coordinator resign. He had to fire a running back coach. This Eberflu situation is getting worse. I, I, I do not see how Matt Eberflus is the coach of the Chicago Bears in 2024. I, I, I can't see it. Anyone else in his shoes, firing coaches left and right, potential police raids on guys' home, having to fire a guy for HR reasons, a coach. I mean, that's that's crazy. I, I can't remember the last time, you know, for something that's not public. Like we've seen, remember we saw the one coach, maybe it was an executive for the Lions, drive through Taco Bell naked. Shanahan's offensive line coach, you know, did a little line when he had the stripper girlfriend. He got fired. Like we've seen situations where coaches get fired. It's like, yeah, you got to fire him even if you don't want to fire him. But you don't see situations like, what are the details? Like, wait, he doesn't just he's not just bad at his job? No, it's not really performance-based. It's just something really bad happened we can't publicly say. That's usually how you get fired as a head coach because all these guys reflect you. Even though they're all grown-ups, they're all making good money, uh, major, major problem for the Bears. More and more I thought about Chase Young to the Niners, like the clock's ticking for Steve Wilkes. If he can't get this defense back on track and they don't make a legit run again, and their defense underperforms, he's going to be a one-and-done defensive coordinator. He, he, he really is. You can't have Chase Young and Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargraves and Hufunga and Charvarius Ward and your defense getting sliced and diced on a weekly basis. It's one thing if, you know, on a given week, A.J. Brown beats you and you lose a game. It's another thing if P.J. Walker beats you and then Kirk Cousins has a career day against you. 
And then uh, Joe Burrow looks like an MVP against you. It's like, are you going to slow down anybody? Do you have any, like, if your fastball is not working, right, eventually you got to try another pitch. E- eventually you got to throw a changeup or a curveball. If every single person's hitting your fastball, inside, outside, high, low, you got to come with a different pitch. So to me, a lot of pressure on him. Heineke starting for the Falcons. Another team with just a quarterback issue. Like, what are the Falcons going to do? The, obviously, Desmond Ritter back up. Heineke clearly is just more of a bridge. Maybe he gives him a little spark. I actually kind of always like Taylor Heineke. But the Falcons, I thought, had Kirk Cousins written all over them. That clearly is probably not going to happen. And speaking of Kirk Cousins, tears Achilles on Sunday. And Tuesday night before he has surgery, he goes to the Minnesota Vikings indoor like family trick-or-treat on a scooter. I, I, I can't remember in recent memory a guy that like, everyone kind of universally made fun of. You know, kind of a puss, overrated, geek to just, you watch that Netflix special, you're like, God, I kind of regret all the things I've said about him. I really like Kirk Cousins. I really appreciate him. Anyone that watches it with their wife or their girlfriend, they talk about him a lot. Like, I love that guy and his, his wife that was buying him, you know, Cole's Bucks. And it's just, it's a sad situation. But one thing we've seen with Cousins, super high character, worked his ass off. And even if his best football now is behind him, Talk about a guy that maximized every penny and every bit and every ounce of his ability, right? He doesn't have the talent of a lot of guys that fail, but he just refused to not make it and refused to not become a good player. Still had flaws and still not a guy ideally you would look to do better, but if he was your quarterback, I think we've learned you can do a lot worse. I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash john or dial pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. That's F-O-R thepeople.com slash J-O-H-N or pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Okay, let's do a little mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Start with Brody. Brody, long-time listener. I've listened to every episode since 19. This guy's been in it to win it for a while. Usually while mixing feed for my cows here in Iowa. Just a blue-collar guy in the Midwest farming his way. Appreciate you. Just had a little chocolate milk earlier today after the gym. Try to get a little protein in me. We have been in hell here with Iowa's horrible offense, yet despite having one of the worst offenses in the country, Iowa seems to win nine or ten games. How does an athletic director in college or GM in the NFL make a coaching decision in that type of situation? Unbearable games for fans to watch, yet the coach is still winning. I was thinking about this the other day because I saw the headline that the athletic director came out and announced that Ferentz's son will not be returning. He obviously had the clause in his contract that the team had to average, what was it, 25 points a game. They were never going to do that. But when I think about Iowa football, I think it's time for a change. I was thinking about it like, you're in this situation because your offense stinks because the head coach made his son the offensive coordinator. This is a program that has a ton of money. I, I think they lost last year early in the NCAA tournament, but their basketball team's good. Like you said, their football team wins a lot of games. Now, you definitely directly benefit from playing on a certain side of the division, right? Or of the conference. Your division stinks. It's why before you lost to, uh, who'd you just lose to? Minnesota? Whoever you just lost to, 12 to 10. And maybe now you're not going to represent the Big Ten against Ohio State or Michigan. But if you consistently, now I don't know, depending, you know, the schedule rotates. If you played Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State every single year, you would lose all those games. Every single one of them. (laughs) You would never beat them. Right? And then you just, you're randomly going to lose to a Wisconsin or a Minnesota or whatever. So your schedule, and I think next year, right, they're no longer doing divisions. The Pac-12 this year didn't do divisions. So once you stop doing divisions the way you play a schedule, it changes things. And I, I do wonder if Farron's like, isn't just time. Kind of maxed out, had an incredible run, put a ton of guys into the league, 
You can't watch an NFL game without seeing someone from Iowa. I, I think it kind of peaked that year you got to the Rose Bowl and then you faced Christian McCaffrey and Stanford and they embarrassed you. I think the move is simply, and I know financially he's got this crazy contract, is just hire a younger guy. Just kind of do what some of these other programs have done. right? What did Wisconsin do? They went out and they got, what's his name from Cincinnati? Fickle, Luke Fickle. To me, Kalen Dubor at Washington, I'd be all over. I would offer him what Michigan State did to Mel Tucker. I'd go, hey, here's... Not quite that much, but here's $70 million. Washington, you going to match it? They never have had to. Rumors have always been, it's actually a little more difficult at Washington. Like, it's not difficult at Oregon. What do you need? They provide it. USC, they'll do anything for you. It's actually sneaky a little harder at UCLA. At these Big Ten schools, I mean, the, the resources you have, the money you guys have made, if you got a better coach, and listen, Ferris is a good coach. I, I just think it's over. You know, now a guy like him making as much as he makes isn't just going to retire. But you fire his son. He's 68 years old. He's been there since, what year did he become the head coach? 1999. I I just think it's time. I, I would just get a new coach. And sometimes you get a new coach, not because you think the guy's an idiot. Right, like at the Patriots, fire Bill Belichick at the end of the season. It's not like they don't think Bill's good. It's not like they don't know how talented Bill is when he's got a good team. It's just time. And in coaching, it's just not every coach can just coach forever. Even the Bobby Bowdens and those guys of the world, like it ends, especially the older you get. Think how, I mean, I'm 39 years old, and sometimes my brain, if I don't get a great night's sleep, it's like, God, it's not firing like it did when I was younger. Hey, John. Regarding the Browns, this is from Zach. With all the weirdness going on with Watson and Stefanski, how would you predict it turns out long-term? As you said, even an average quarterback would have this team in the playoffs. But it seems like Stefanski and Watson are in a standoff. Only one of them have a $250 million contract. 230 but, you know, who's counting? Besides Jimmy Haslam. I would say Stefanski's in major trouble. Uh, the old adage, you can't fire the players. Well, you definitely can't fire a guy... Who has that much money coming to him? So Watson's contract makes him basically a sacred cow, basically on scholarship. There's nothing you can do. I think you got to hire someone, and this is where it would be tricky. And maybe it wouldn't. You hire someone who believes that they can just get him back on track. The other thing is money talks. Like, was Denver really that great of a job opportunity? Especially if you didn't think Russell Wilson still had much, like was never going to get it back. No, it really wasn't. Well, what'd they do? Hey, Sean Payton, you want $90 million? Money talks, shit walks. And listen, a lot of these guys are rich, but if I, I, I think the Browns would be a unique job opportunity. But like we've talked about earlier, the team this year is not the team next year. His cap hit goes up by $43 million. So some of these impact players on your team, like obviously Miles Garrett's going nowhere. Right In theory, Nick Chubb wouldn't have gone anywhere if he wouldn't have got hurt. Your corners. But some of your the players that are playing well are not just... Is Amari Cooper on the team next year? Is that kind of why they traded for Elijah Moore? Because they're going to need a cheaper wide receiver in two years? It gets a lot more complicated. When you lose $43 million in cap space, even if the salary cap is 
let's say 250 million. Let's just pick a, a number that's easy to do math. 250 million dollars. So if your cap hit is f- on that given season is 50 million dollars, you're taking up 20 percent of the salary cap. Well, his is 63. So uh, I mean, we're talking. That's a lot of money, man. We're talking 27, 28 percent of the salary cap all going to Deshaun. Might as well just do the math right now to see exactly what it is. So 63 divide 250. Yeah, 25%. So he's taking up a quarter of your salary cap. Think about that. Man, fellow Cal Poly Mustang here. I like this guy already. Learn by doing, baby. You know what's crazy? I was thinking about this. I'm someone who makes fun of education, not in the sense of it's not important. Obviously, reading and writing and some of the basic things that you learn when you're younger in school are important. But a large majority of things you learn in a classroom don't necessarily apply, especially like in college. Nothing I did in a college classroom applies to what I'm doing now. But I also, if it wouldn't have been toward educa- for education, and listen, I think you know, higher education, some of the stuff, I mean, a lot of it's a scam, but I got a graduate degree because I was a GA at Fresno state. Well, when I bought this house and rates were ripping, I mean, headed towards seven, I was able to get a rate in the fives because of a program that the bank or this mortgage lender could offer because I had multiple degrees. And, uh, I also got the job at Fresno state because I had an undergraduate degree. And I'll never forget, and listen, I'm not going to change my tune of making fun of what you learn inside a college classroom, at least from in my experience. A wise person once told me that, not me, I think they talked to our class maybe in like seventh grade, and I'll never forget the, the number one thing with doing well in school, it just continues to keep your options open. And I, I don't know if that's going to last forever, right? We'll see is like education, like in my parents' generation was everything, with mine, it was still important. It feels less important now, but it definitely keeps your op- your options open. Hell, who, you know, I'd be paying way more money for this house on a monthly basis, and shit, I might not even be sitting here So, if it wasn't for Cal Poly. It feels like the season there is so much parity in the league. Defenses seem to have stepped up in a total lack of consistency from every team. Every week, it seems like a new team is at the top of the pyramid and they come crashing down. I can't remember a time where this many teams have had a chance to win it all because of the lack of some true powerhouses. Seems to me, home field advantage and getting hot at the end of the season will basically dictate who wins the Super Bowl. Well, that and the ability to string together a few consecutive good games. I think an underrated part about, I would say, modern-day football is how different practice is than it was in the 90s and the 80s. And I think if you go back then, pre the CBAs they have now, and I, hell, when I was at Fresno State, we practiced in pads a lot. And a padded practice is a lot more difficult than what they call shells. It's like this pad on your shoulder, but you do not tackle with it and a helmet. A padded practice, when you're also wearing your leg pads, even though half the guys don't, is football. And those days are done. They are. They limit your ability to practice in the CBA you get X number of days, especially the second half of the season. So if you went back to like 1993 
And think of the best teams in like the early 90s. If you just went to a Buffalo Bills practice or a Cowboys or 49ers practice, or even in the mid to late 90s, some of those Packers teams with Holmgren, right? Or, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers or whoever, Denver Broncos. I will bet my a lot of money that padded practices happened all the time. That padded practices were the overwhelming majority of practices, not shells or just t-shirts and helmet. And I would bet now the majority is the opposite, where it's just much more... I'm not saying it's not full speed and you're sweating, but you're not playing football. And I do wonder if that has hindered the ability to develop offensive linemen. Because let's face it, the, uh, the amount of good offensive linemen in the NFL has never felt less. A guy that you just felt like, oh, this guy's just really good guard. Like how many... When I was a kid, the amount of star offensive linemen... I'm not saying they were famous in the sense of like getting commercials, but just some of the best players in the league were offensive linemen, tackles, guards, and centers. It's like, I feel like we can name the elite offensive linemen on like two hands. That was different. And I'm not talking just Hall of Famers. I'm just talking about really good impact Pro Bowl level guys. Now it feels like most guys are average to below. That's not the case on defense. Think about every, think about half the league has multiple defensive linemen that you would want. And then even the shitty teams have one good defensive lineman that you would want. Some of these teams like have an offensive line, you wouldn't want any of them. So I, I think that's an underrated part about modern-day football. What does the NFL community, players, GMs, coaches, think of the game's creator of Madden's ability to analyze player and create game situations, simulations? I Full disclosure, I've never talked to anybody about that. Obviously, players get worked up about their rating. But in terms of I, when it comes to the NFL, like getting ready for games, simulating an opponent or anything, I know Tyreek Hill made a joke about that. I, I don't think he's totally serious. I, I, I don't think it's as, uh, as impactful as you'd think. Maybe you don't even think that. I, I don't think it's impactful at all. But I would imagine most people in the NFL under 50 non-players played Madden when they were a kid, and obviously all these players have played Madden, and some still do. So I think that's the bigger impact, is just like everyone's played. I think if you pulled the NFL, some coaches would be old, but any coach under, I don't know, 50, 55, and every player, I think you'd be hard-pressed to not be 95% have played. And I bet a large percentage like consistently played in their youth. I know I did. I remember freshman year of college, played all the time. My squad was the Denver Broncos. Clinton Portis dominated. Couldn't stop me. Do you think the Raiders will go after Harbaugh as their new head coach at the end of the season? I think he's definitely square under their, uh, in terms of the scope of who they're going to look at. I'd be stunned, stunned if he wasn't near the top of the list. Can't believe the Raiders made this move after the trade deadline. They can't even get tanking right. Can't wait to hear. Well, here's the thing. Mark Davis did not want to trade. Mark Davis, the one thing he has going for him, the one thing his franchise has going for him that's not winning, that now no longer has a coach, are a couple star players. And the the one thing about his star players is like they're pretty good guys. They're guys you want on your team. Every team in the league. Every team in the league 
would take in a New York minute, in the blink of an eye, Devontae and Max Crosby. Every single team. And they would start on every single team. And that they would be captains on every single team. So when you have guys like that, I get it from the owner's perspective. Now, big picture, should they have blown it up? You can always trade those guys in the offseason. But I, I think Mark Davis, because it's hard not to. Like, you're around Max Crosby or Devontae Adams. They're just easy guys to like. <laughs> Who do you ever hear saying a bad word about either guy? I know you touched on this when it happened, but as a Bears fan, seeing the sweat trade made me want to go bald. Is that a shot at me? Embarrassing move by the front office. This is a losing team with no chance to win, and what did they not learn from the mistake last year? And will ultimately partake in the most expensive way to acquire a pay a player and give premium draft capital for them. It almost doesn't matter whether the sweat's good or bad or not if it's a bad or good move. And to top it all off, John Lynch humiliates the Bears organization by trading a third for Chase Young. The poverty seems to have no end in sight. I can't believe after doing the same thing last year. To me, if Chase Claypool had never existed and they had just used that pick on Joey Porter Jr. So maybe they had two good corners. You could somewhat be like, hey, listen, they're, they're a pass rusher or two away. Their defense is coming along. Their defense stinks. You could put Reggie White or LT in their prime on this team and it wouldn't matter. I think I read, because on The Athletic, because Nagy's my guy and he used to be the coach, I used to, some of the teams that I just get all their articles, one is the Bears. And I read some of their local reporters kind of did this thought on just the trade and the impact, gave their different opinions. I think the Bears have 10 total sacks this season. And five of them, let me repeat, five of them came against Washington, who obviously has one of the worst offensive line slash I don't even know if their offensive line is terrible, their scheme, whatever, they might break David Carr's sack record. So if you remove those five sacks against that team, they have five sacks in seven other games. It happens a lot with college prospects where it's like, oh, this guy had 10 sacks his senior year. And then you're like, well, four of them came against UC Davis. He plays in the SEC. How many did he have against the two tackles that he played that were going to get drafted? Oh, none. Well, so four came against UC Davis. Three came against a two-win Vanderbilt. You're like, well, where did the other four sacks come from? That, that sneaky happens a lot with evaluating players. Context matters. I think the same thing with the Bears. I, I think their defense isn't even remotely close. Um, still baffled by it. Really am. Really am. And I listen, people might think I'm just a Bears hater. I have nothing... I've only heard positive things about Ryan Poles as a guy, right? I've heard he's people really liked him that I knew in Kansas City. But you do get judged on player acquisition when you become the GM. So good guy, bad guy, whatever. He's been pretty terrible as a GM. Did fleece the Panthers, I'll give him that. Big fan of the show, happy belated birthday. I'm a diehards Packers fan, and it's very odd to me to be this crappy. I've had my whole Packer fanhood of great quarterback and team play. Welcome to life. Do you think they might clean house this offseason or trade up to get Drake May? Also, you discussed the Super Bowl being played overseas. I'm not fond of that idea. Do you want to watch the big game at 10.30 a.m. local time? Good point. Didn't think about that. I would... Someone... 
I was on some text chains last night once Harbaugh, or not Harbaugh, once the Raiders fired. And it's like, do you think Harbaugh would go to the Packers, the Bears, or the Raiders? I'm like, well, I don't think the Packers are firing anybody. I, I think those guys are safe. I, I think those guys are going to be the coach and the GM next year. I really do. Here's a take I haven't heard many people talking about. Cleveland would have been better off keeping Baker. I know things ended bad for him there, but compare how he is playing to Deshaun this season. I don't think you can do that. I, I really don't. I, I don't think you can compare Deshaun Watson's situation and just go, oh, Baker would have been much better. Because I watch Baker, I think he's pretty terrible too. I, I think Baker, after the first couple games, has been really bad. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's losing them games for sure. So I, I will say... I, I think you would have been in the same exact situation. Now, financially, it wouldn't have been as expensive. I think the hard part about Deshaun is, listen, sometimes quarterbacks just play bad. Sometimes they just are not good anymore. What are you paying them? Right? What are you paying them? Like with Matt Ryan, once he kind of was not good anymore, it was a problem for the Falcons. They were paying him a lot of money. Right? Russell Wilson is not quite the same guy. If Russell Wilson was making $20 million a year, it wouldn't be that big a deal. He's making like forty-five. <laughs> like that, That's the problem. That's why everyone nitpicks Cousins and Dak. If they were making $10 million, it'd be like, God, that's the best deal in football. But once you start making 40 million, it becomes a problem. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week. Talk to everyone soon. Adios. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.